This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. There are a lot of different celebrity brands out there where I think because of the clout and the resources and the name and the platform of that celebrity or influencer, they could be creating something game-changing and industry-transformative. Instead of just slapping your name onto another beauty or fragrance or whatever brand because you think that's the easy way to making a lot of money, instead of doing that, why don't you create something really meaningful that deserves to exist because that's going to last more anyway and in the long term, it's going to be more successful. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Real Reel Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. This episode was recorded in person. I love a good in-person interview. And honestly, I fangirled a little bit because I got to interview someone that I have been wanting to interview for so long. And she is probably my favorite TikTok creator out there. Her name is Dolma. And if you guys are part of like the business entrepreneurship marketing side of TikTok, you've definitely seen her. She does a lot of content about like D2C brands, beauty brands, celebrity skincare brands. She pretty much just does like business analysis on what she thinks is going to flop, what she thinks is doing well, like her take on, you know, raising money as a consumer brand, all of that good stuff. And normally I start these intros off by giving you a little brief update about my week, but I'm just so excited for this episode that I had to jump in with like, oh my God, I'm so excited. You guys are going to love this episode. So wanted to just preface it by saying that. I also love interviewing TikTok creators because a lot of them are very new to being creators. Like they kind of just popped off in the past six months or so. So they don't have that many podcast interviews. So it's kind of like I'm getting a first access interview on this person's life. And even though Dolma has done other interviews, I feel like I still am one of the first people to interview her. And that makes me feel very special. So uh, if you want me to interview any other TikTok creators, let me know. But let, yeah, let's talk about this week. So I actually have an exciting announcement and I usually don't do announcements on my podcast because I don't want this to be like super promo-y on my end of things, but I'm going to start with a high because this week's high is great. So if you guys know, I have been really 
Oh, like I've been a huge fan of Jacqueline Johnson. Jacqueline Johnson is the CEO, or she was the founder of Create and Cultivate. I think I believe that she ended up selling the company, like a majority stake of the company. Um, she's also the host of Work Party, the podcast. She wrote Work Party, the book, which was one of my favorite books that I read, especially once I graduated college. And I have just really admired her and looked up to her. She also started a new venture fund, which I think is incredible. And I would literally pinch myself. I don't know if that's a good expression, but I would like be so excited if she ever invested in Rella because she's just someone that I've looked up to for so long. And I always said I was going to speak at a Create and Cultivate conference. I always said that. I was like, I'm going to speak at one. And that was always a goal of mine. And I I think that there's a video out there where I talk about it, but I have so many videos that I think it'd be too hard to go back on and, and find. But I said I was going to speak at a Create and Cultivate conference. And you guys, this month in June, June 25th to be exact, I am speaking at a Create and Cultivate conference. I am so excited. I cannot believe that it's happening. I'm so, so excited. I'm speaking alongside Seema Gandhi, who we've had her on the podcast before. It's been an, it was an amazing episode. She is the CEO and co-founder of Get Juice or Creative Juice. It's getjuice.com, but the company is Creative Juice. And it's a bank for creators, which I highly recommend if you're a creator, you definitely should use Creative Juice as your bank. It's the only banking tool that is made for creators and they're sponsoring Creative Cultivate and they asked me to be a speaker. I can't like, I'm so excited. I am speaking alongside some of the most amazing women, women that I have looked up to for so long. And if you guys are in LA, June 25th, I highly recommend attending this conference. There are amazing, amazing speakers. The first keynote speaker that is announced is Winnie Harlow, which what, like, I don't curse, but like, what? Like I am, I was going to say, yeah. Anyways. Okay. (laughs) I don't curse on the podcast. I try to keep the podcast clean, but what? How am I speaking at the same place that Winnie Harlow is speaking? And like Ashley Green is going to be there too, which my like early Twilight loving days would have freaked out by that. But I don't know. It's just like, I'm, I'm shocked. I don't think I deserve it. I feel major like, why am I here? Like what is going on? But I need to not think about that because I just think it's absolutely insane that I'm um, speaking alongside these women. So if you do want to go, it's June 25th in LA and you can get 10% off using the code creativejuice10. I have it on my Instagram as well as my LinkedIn if you guys follow me on there. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to keep it at that as like my high because nothing, I, I don't even want to talk about a low because I don't want to entertain a low because it's just been, that's like such great news that I get to share. I will say it's the end of the month when I'm recording, beginning of June, when I'm recording this end of May, it's June 1st. And May was definitely like a rough month. I feel like I was so go, go, go. And I just like, I, my body pretty much like broke down on me mentally and physically. Like I really, I got sick. I mentally had like a breakdown and it was just way too much on my body. And so I'm excited to have June be a more restful month. I don't know how restful it will be, but I am excited about that. And then I have another like speaking thing this month that's not public yet. And I cannot wait to announce it. I should be able to announce it next week. I'm so excited about that one too. But anyways, let's get back to the episode because I am so excited for this episode. Not only is it in person, but it's with my all-time favorite TikTok creator. Like I said, Dolma. She is the founder and CEO of Make Lane, which is the masterclass for women entrepreneurs, aside from being a TikTok creator. Make Lane is on a mission to help women create thriving businesses in 
every industry, beginning with e-commerce. They provide content, courses, and community to help women learn from their dream business mentors. They've hosted 80 live classes with experts um, from brands like Allbirds, Casper, Lululemon, Birchbox, like so many amazing brands. And Dolma is also a TikTok creator, like I said. We dive into her past as well, like her like childhood, I should say, um, because I always want to know, I'm like, wh- what made you who you are today? You know, I always think that's so fascinating. She actually moved to the United States when she was six from Mongolia, and she was always ambitious and decided that entrepreneurship was how she could channel that ambition. Me and her have a lot of similarities, which we discover in this podcast. She ended up working for Google, but was interested in venture capital and the consumer world. And she couldn't really see that, you know, going up the ladder in Google. So she actually started her first business potion in 2017. We talk all about businesses, like starting businesses and then making that decision to shut down a business also, because that is one of the hardest decisions that you have to make. And it's something that a lot of people don't talk about just out of that fear of like embarrassment or failure. And she also calls herself an accidental TikTok creator. She says the word accident because she actually took a challenge to post one video a day on YouTube for a hundred days. So she started on YouTube, wanted to post one video a day and that's how she built the confidence to then start posting on TikTok. And she was like, oh, TikTok's easier. It's shorter content. And then she started blowing up on TikTok. So today's episode, we dive into the importance of storytelling when it comes to creating and running a business, advice for providing value on TikTok in an authentic way, what she did to go viral on TikTok, and how she plans her content. Dolma's favorite brands as well, and which brands could use a little bit of help. This episode goes down in the books as probably one of the top five podcasts I've done on this podcast. Um, So I hope that you guys like it. And if you guys want me to do any other TikTok creators or anyone else at all, let me know. If you're listening to this, please screenshot it, post it on Instagram. That really helps people find my podcast and be sure to rate us five stars on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also join my Geneva group. It's a good time in there. I'm going to be talking about this episode in there, but I'll have everything in the show notes. And also you can follow me on my personal to find everything. But without further ado, let's welcome Dolma to the show. You know what the best feeling is? When you walk out the door feeling like you can conquer the world because your hair looks amazing. You know those days when your hair shines with confidence? Well, I have something that are going to make those good hair days into a daily reality, which is Way's new hair gloss. I personally have been loving taking care of my hair. I just got a new haircut and at first I was iffy on it, but then the more I've looked at it and the more I've styled it, I actually really love it and I don't think I can go back to super long hair. It's all about how you style it. So I have been meticulous about my hair routine. I've been incorporating Waze hair gloss and it has literally made me love my haircut and love all of the different ways that I can make it look. It's so easy. Just five minutes in the shower and bam, instant shine. And let me tell you, preventing heat damage is a top priority for me. And with hair gloss protecting my hair up to 450 degrees, I can style worry-free. And the best part, my hair hair feels shinier, healthier, and more vibrant than before. If you guys have seen my blowouts on my Instagram or my TikTok, you know that I have been feeling my hair and it has been so shiny. Getting your shine on in the shower with Waze hair gloss is so easy and it's packed with hyaluronic acid and rice water and so it so it not only gives you immediate shine but also treats damage and enhances color vibrancy. And here's the best part, in a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother with Waze hair gloss. Give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T H E 
O-U-A-I and use promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code RealReal. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Hello, Dolma. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Of course. My pleasure. I'm so excited. You are always the person, like, when someone asks me, like, who's your favorite TikToker? I literally say you every single time. That is so sweet. Yeah, because you're just so valuable. I was telling you earlier about like the stage of life that I'm in right now and Mm -hmm. what I'm doing with my business. Mm -hmm. You are so relevant towards. You help me out so much and like it's so, so valuable and honestly interesting. So I'm glad I can make it engaging too. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. But we're going to start with setting the record straight. So it's where I say some assumptions, stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Okay. So first one is that the beauty industry is incredibly saturated. True. Yeah, I get that a lot from your videos. And I love your analysis on what makes beauty companies stand out. So what's your take on like, if it is saturated, do you think no one should enter it anymore? Or do you think you just have very strategic entering the beauty industry? You have to create something that deserves to exist. And that sounds so simple and straightforward and obvious, but you'd be shocked at how many brands don't actually do that, especially a lot of the celebrity and influencer brands. So that's part of why it's so saturated. It's it's kind of becoming a cash grab where a lot of people are just putting stuff out there that's not meaningfully different than anything else that exists. And that's where it starts to become super competitive and you need to have such a strong point of differentiation to stand out. And honestly, that's true in a lot of different industries, but it's especially true in beauty. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the celebrity themselves wants to start something like this? Or do you think it's like their team that's pushing it because they do see it as a cash grab? I think that's such a great question. It's probably a mix of both. In fact, it's probably a mix of either the celebrity or the team wants to do something. They want to diversify and build some sort of a brand that has more longevity because being any kind of entertainer or influencer is kind of, you know, not guaranteed to bring you success long term. And so I think it's strategic on their part. But there are also a lot of brand incubators that are approaching these celebrities, influencers, any kind of talent saying, hey, we can make you the next Kylie or the next Rihanna. Why don't we start something together? And they're selling them these hopes and dreams. And it's partly on them, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I love your take on like the celebrity brands that do a good job. And the ones that do a bad job. And Mm -hmm. usually, like you said, it's the ones that, yes, deserve to be there. But like the celebrity themselves or the person themselves actually has had that problem. For example, like Skims. I think I commented that on one of your videos. But like Skims is great because Kim Kardashian always wears tight things that show her figure. Yeah, exactly. So it's like if anyone knows about shapewear, it's her. But versus like another brand, I don't know, like you were saying, like Scarlett Johansson's beauty brand. I don't view her as like the epitome of skincare or anything like that. Right. And everybody is looking at her and thinking, well, you probably spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on all these sort of fancy treatments. So why should I buy your skincare? What does that have to do with anything? You probably don't even use it, right? So that's the other thing. And also how involved are they actually going to be? Or are they just sort of signing off on the packaging and the brand design and the color names? 
and the product names in a really superficial way. I think that is the case more often than these celebrities would like to admit. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And then the next one is that every founder needs to be a storyteller. Ooh, that is true. I think that part of being a founder is selling a vision to a team, selling a vision potentially to investors if you are fundraising at all, and selling a vision to customers or clients, right? And so you're kind of just always selling that vision. You always have to get people excited about what you're building and convince them to buy from you. And that is inherently storytelling. So I do think that it comes with the territory, especially if you're in tech and starting some sort of a tech startup and, you know, potentially going the VC route. So I think it's true for probably everyone to some degree, but especially for startup founders. Yeah. And I can tell you, I have had to tell my story so many times. And at this stage, that's all that matters. Like really what matters is your story. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you building this? Why are you the person to build this? What experience do you have? What's your background? Why is this something that you believe in? Mm -hmm. That's what really is like getting investors attention. Yeah, exactly. I think it's what gets your customers attention too. Totally. And if you're a founder and you're taking something that doesn't exist, that's just an idea in your head and willing it into existence, you have to get people so excited about something that doesn't even exist yet or barely exists yet. And so that requires a lot of storytelling. And then also on the other hand, even if you're the CEO of a a more established startup or company, really a CEO has three jobs and this may or may not end up being the founder, but a CEO has to make sure the company doesn't run out of money, right? So you have to always be kind of building relationships with investors. You have to hire at least for the really important roles. And then you also have to be kind of the face of the company and communicating with the broader public and with customers. All of those things are storytelling. You're just taking the same story and packaging it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. That's something I've learned a lot this past <laughs> year. I'm like, I have to perfect the story. It has to obviously be true, but I have to say it in a way that is so captivating. Yeah. It has to be like a whole story. Like yeah. it's not just like, I've been doing this for this long and this is what I'm doing. Like right. there has to be emotion in it. Yeah. There has to be like a storyline, a plot. Like it has to be a whole thing. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, and it's funny how Actually, it's really difficult to take all of that stuff you've been working on and thinking about all day long for months, sometimes years, and craft it into a concise story. It's actually very difficult. And it's kind of an art to find those pithy sort of phrasings and edit it down into something that's digestible and short enough for people to understand it's really difficult. So I commend you and every startup founder who has to go through that process. Yeah, well, you as well. You're a founder (laughs) yourself too. And then the next one is that on TikTok, you have to provide value to grow. That's really interesting. I think it depends on how you define value. I think in a way you could broaden the definition of value to include any kind of entertainment or even humor or something insightful and educational, something emotional and moving. So if we're leaning into a broad definition of value, then absolutely. And then I think if we're defining it in a more narrow way as something insightful or educational, I think there are plenty of accounts that don't do that. I obviously do do that. I'm not somebody who really is going to be talented at doing dance moves or putting together (laughs) cute outfits. I mean, I feel like you are the kind of person who's good at flexing to a lot of those different types of value. 
I am a one-trick pony. I just provide <laughs> education. <laughs> but that's also, I think, on TikTok, niches like that grow because people note why they come to your channel or why they come to your page. And also the TikTok algorithm like pushes it out more to people that are interested in that specific thing. Yeah, I think that's true. I do think that there is going to be more of an emergence of educational, substantive, quote unquote, long form content on TikTok because we already have such great creators who do a lot of the other stuff. But I think people hear that I create educational sort of business focused videos on TikTok and they're like, oh, that's interesting. And I think it's a little bit fresh and new for now, but I don't think that's going to continue much longer. I think a lot of other creators are going to do what I'm doing on TikTok. Have you noticed a lot of like copycats? Totally. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of copycats. I even know somebody personally who is very similar to my page. She saw my page and she liked it. And I think that's just something that comes with the territory. If you're doing something well, people are going to follow it. Mm -hmm. Especially on social media because they want to grow as quickly as possible. And so it's like, oh that person did that to grow. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do the same exact thing. And exactly. they think it's like a formula to help them grow when really people on social media connect with people that are authentic and that they feel like they're their friend. And yes, of course, there are tips and tricks that you could do like posting consistently and like this type of content does well. But people know when you're not being authentic and people yeah. know when they've seen the same content three times yeah. that you're probably not that original either. Yeah, that's totally true. And the other thing is, if you are following somebody else and copying their content, you're probably creating a second-rate version of it, right? I think the other thing that makes me feel like I don't need to really focus on who's doing what and just kind of stay in my lane is I feel like I can do what I do really well. I have a lot of the experience. All these videos come from years and years of talking to hundreds, if not thousands, of founders and brand owners and just sort of consumers. And I know the venture world. I know the D2C world. I know the entrepreneurship world. So a lot of this is the intersection of so many things that are pretty specific. And it's going to be hard for somebody to completely replicate that. So I think that's also something that other people can take away, which is when you're being authentic, you're doing a first rate version of whatever you're doing. And anybody else who tries to copy you is doing a second rate version of it. So mm -hmm. no, that's, that's very, very true. And it's never going to be as good as the original. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about your background and what you were like as a kid, because you're very ambitious. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're someone who likes the business analysis. You're a founder yourself. Were you always that ambitious and like curious as a kid or did the entrepreneurial mindset come later on in life? I think both. I've always been ambitious and I decided entrepreneurship was going to be the channel for that ambition later on in life when I even found out what entrepreneurship really was. And I also think I've always been pretty autonomous as a person. I don't like being told what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't like having a boss. I don't do well with authority. I kind of just like doing my own thing. And that took a lot of trial and error to really figure out. But I think from early childhood, I've always been really ambitious. And I think part of it probably is just sort of like an immigrant complex or something. <laughs> yeah. Were your parents immigrants or were you an immigrant? Both. Yeah. I came here when I was six and then my mom came here when she was young with me. So where are you from? I'm from Mongolia. Okay. So how was that adjustment? Do you remember the adjustment? You, I know you were really young, but yeah. how was that? It was an adjustment. I think when you're a kid, at least I sort of thought of it as an adventure. I wasn't really sad to leave Mongolia so much and I was excited to be here, but it definitely is an adjustment learning the language, trying to make friends. I was also a super shy introverted kid and I'm an only child, so I was just kind of doing my own thing a lot. 
And it was a little bit harder to make friends because I felt so culturally different from them for quite a while, actually. And even after I came here, I grew up in Sacramento, I would go back to Mongolia a lot. So I came here when I was six, went back for two years, came back, did a lot of back and forth to the point where I never fully acclimated to American culture until I was in high school. So I always felt like the other in both countries because Mm -hmm. I always felt a little too American for the Mongolian kids, a little too Mongolian for the American kids. So I do think that makes you kind of a chameleon in a good way, but it also probably gives you a little bit of a chip on your shoulder where you feel like, okay, our family made all these sacrifices and I have to make that worth it. Yeah. Did that make you feel like you have to go off and do your own thing and be successful or you have to do the like the corporate route climb the corporate ladder because my parents are immigrants as well and my dad started his own business later in life like in his late 30s but when I was going to school it was you're majoring in engineering at first I wanted to major in fashion and they were like no like that's just (laughs) not that's not happening so major in engineering you're gonna get a corporate job for a few years like a good job then you can reassess and like figure out you know what you want to do but that was kind of the path. Yeah. And now, I mean, they're super supportive in what I do because I've kind of proved myself, you know, <laughs> but it's been one of those things where I totally understand the you have to get a good job and like, let's do what brings the most security, which is like yeah. that stable degree, stable job. So did you experience that or were you kind of like, I'm going to become a founder and do my own thing regardless? I I think I experienced a little of both because Mongolian culture is more traditional. And being an immigrant, you make a lot of sacrifices and you want to make sure you're kind of showing something for it by pursuing something stable and prioritizing that. And at the same time, I think my mom was actually pretty understanding as a mom. She always just supported whatever I've done. And it's been a lot of random things. And she's always just there kind of cheering me on. So I think in a way, she is the outlier in the family. I think the rest of the family has probably been like, what is she doing with her life? Why is she leaving Google? That's crazy. But my mom has always been super understanding. So I'm fortunate to have had that. Yeah, that's awesome. And very important. I feel like as you're growing up and entering your 20s and kind of figuring out your career and Speaking of like your career path, you were at Google. Was that your first job or what was your first thing? Yeah, that was my first job. I was an AdWords account strategist and I wasn't there super long. I think I got there and I was like, I'm not really built for the corporate environment. And I left and people probably thought I was crazy. But again, my mom was supportive and I just felt like I know I want to be an entrepreneur in some capacity. At the time, I was interested in venture capital. I was interested in the consumer world, things I'm still interested in. And I already knew that and I couldn't necessarily see a ladder up to that while I was at Google. And so when I realized that, I thought, well, this imperative that we have to clock a specific number of hours at any given company is so arbitrary, especially if you don't feel like it's actually leading to what you want to do. So I'm just going to pull the trigger. Yeah. No. And what did you do after Google? Did you go off and start your own business? Yeah. Where did you go afterwards? Yeah. So while I was at Google, I had the idea for something that actually at the time was sort of a weird amalgam of the two different businesses I ended up starting after. At the time, I thought, oh, I want to start a content and commerce platform that showcases both the stories and the products of female founders. And I had that idea and I wanted to kind of focus on clean beauty and wellness. And then I realized Grado Beauty existed, Detox Market existed, Folene existed, all these different like Goop eventually became something like that. So then I realized there were a lot of competitors that are very well funded and it was going to be hard for me to compete because I was going to be bootstrapping it. So then I had to scrap the idea 
after I started working on it, but I did end up starting a clean fragrance retailer online and then Make Lane, which I can get into in a moment, but those ended up being two kind of subsets of that broader idea, interestingly enough. The dots always connect looking back. For following our authentic desires, I think we tend to kind of circulate around the same themes over years and years. I always look back at like my younger childhood self. And it's funny because as a kid, I always was in front of a camera. Like I would put skits in front of my family. I would force my younger siblings (laughs) to do like news shows with me. And it was literally on like my parents' laptop, the camera on there. And I would like piece it together on like photo booth and do these news shows it was called the ncl times or like Mm -hmm. natalie chloe and lucas like (laughs) it was this whole thing then i was like i want to do acting because i like wanted to be in front of a camera and so when i started youtube which i started like 11 years ago like back in the very beginning days it like made perfect sense for like why i would start something like that and then going on to like okay now i did engineering in school and i actually did enjoy it like it was not bad And then now being like a tech founder of a social media tech company or like creator economy company, it kind of all fits in and like makes sense of like, yes, I'm an influencer, content creator, but then I'm also using my entrepreneurial side of the tech side of things as well in what I'm doing today. So it's funny how it really does all connect and it all makes sense. Like everything in life leads up to what I'm doing now. I really fully believe that. That's been true for me as well. And at the time it might feel like, oh my gosh, like these are so many different things. How is it all ever going to come together? I feel like I'm being pulled in so many directions. How do I choose? But I think the key is just kind of follow your nose, do what lights you up and try to do a good job at it, build those skills. And most likely they're going to come together in some really unexpected, amazing way. Yeah. And I also think it's okay to pivot. It's okay to cancel something or to start over and to like fail at a lot of things. Like I truly believe that. Like I have tried a lot of different little business ventures. Yeah before I got to where I am today, like I'm sure I'm going to do a lot more like in the future. But I started an online clothing store for about like a year and a half. I did like consulting for other brands and other content creators as well. Now I'm doing this, but like I'm so happy I tried all of those things and did all of those things because every single one opened up another door. Like the clothing store, I was like, wait, like I loved like the marketing part of it. I really didn't like the actual like e-commerce side of it. So I was like, wait, why am I doing this? Like, let me do more like the consulting on the content side of things or like social media strategy. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to the problem that I'm trying to solve with Rella, you know, so everything led up to another thing. And I was so embarrassed to say like, oh, I'm going to shut down the clothing store because technically it didn't work out, you know, and I never even like publicly addressed it. I was just like, closing. like <laughs> we're just going to tuck that away. And I was just like so scared because I was like, what are people going to think? Like they're going to think I'm dumb. Oh my God, like it didn't work out. But I actually think that's okay. Like for things not to work out, majority of things don't work out, but they always open up another door or a lesson learned as cheesy as that is like when you said that you starting your first business and you had to kind of pivot after you spent time working on it mm-hmm. how was that was that like hard for you to realize that like this is not going to work and I need to do something else yeah it was hard I love everything you're saying and I resonate with it so deeply so when I started my first business it was 2017 it was a clean fragrance retail store online called potion the idea was how do we make it easier for consumers to sample discover and buy non-toxic fragrances So I really liked the idea of the storytelling and the marketing like you behind that. And then when I started to deal with the actual physical products, I was like, wow, this is a nightmare. (laughs) I was like, never again. Uh, People still ask me, do you want to start your own brand? And I'm like, no, never. (laughs) Not physical products. I mean, that that could change. Um, Never say never. But I really love the marketing piece, the content piece, the storytelling piece. And I love building things, but I don't necessarily like dealing with the physical product. So I worked on that 
bootstrapped it for a number of reasons. It was just a really tricky business model to crack and we never quite fully figured it out. So after two years, I did pivot away from it and I felt exactly what you felt. I felt like it was so tied to my identity that it was hard to walk away from that. I had been telling everybody in my life, everybody new, everybody old, that this was what I was doing. I was going to go all in on this thing and I meant it and I was dedicated, but most businesses don't work out. And you do learn from them. They all build on top of each other and you have to trust your path, even if you can't see how it's all going to unfold. So I do believe that. And also these days, it is kind of relatively easier to start things and try new things. How else are you going to even learn more about yourself? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think that is underrated. And I think people feel this impatience to have it all figured out by the time they're 30 or something. But that's unrealistic. And that is glorifying success in youth in a way that I think can be a little bit detrimental. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. read this book called Late Bloomers. I don't know if you've read it, but it's really great. It talks a lot about that, how we put so much emphasis on like young success, like 30 under 30 or like this young prodigy that's like a teenager that's so successful and so talented. And we don't put really much like emphasis on like older success, even though majority of success comes from older people, like people that are super successful in life didn't start their businesses until later on or didn't start what they were doing until later on. That's actually the majority of people and like the majority of people that are deemed like successful or CEOs or founders. But yet we put so much emphasis on you're in your 20s and you better be the CEO of this huge company and raise a ton of money and have this many followers. You need to be earning this much money by the time you turn 30 and buy a house and do all of this. And it's not realistic. We just glamorize it. And especially with social media. But it's not the norm. Mm -hmm. It's not realistic. And I don't know why people feel like they're going to fail if they don't have it figured out by that timeline. Right. And then we have to really challenge ourselves on that and ask ourselves, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for the optics? Am I doing it for the approval of others? Am I trying to impress people or impress my family or my friends or my peers or whatever? Am I trying to make it to Forbes 30 under 30 or am I doing it because I love the thing and I like building things and I like being creative and I feel like these things need to exist and I'm putting in a really good faith effort to try to make it work. And then when it doesn't, as sometimes it doesn't in life, I'm moving on and kind of picking myself up and dusting myself off. I think that examination, that inquiry into what's truly motivating us is really important because whatever we discover there, I think, can contribute to breakthroughs around helping us unhook from these insane pressures to be successful super young. Mm-hmm, totally. And when you decided to close down Potion, 
how long did it take you to figure out that you needed to close it before you actually did? Because I <laughs> feel like it usually like, you know, and then it's like a long time after you actually do it. That's exactly what happened for me. I think I kept that thing dragging along for probably like half a year longer at least than it really needed to be alive. It was kind of like this zombie <laughs> that I was trying to revive. And I really eventually had to call it. And I think what helped me, it's funny, the analogy that's coming to mind is, you, you know, when you're experiencing heartbreak and if it's really intense heartbreak, it's usually not until you find somebody else and you fall in love with somebody else that you really get over it. I feel like sometimes that's been true for me where actually it was really hard to even sort of admit to myself that I needed to pivot away from it and move on. But when I figured out that the community that I was growing of women D2C founders because I wanted to create that community for myself when I was working on Potion that could evolve into something, then I realized, okay, there's potentially a business opportunity here. And now I feel comfortable pivoting away. So even I was thinking about the optics of it's going to look so dumb if I walk away from this and I don't have anything lined up and I haven't figured out anything else. But I wish I were braver enough to have done that when I needed to. Yeah, 100%. And talk to me about your new business that you're currently working on, the yeah. one after Potion, Make Lane, right? Yeah, yeah, Make Lane. So Make Lane is the masterclass for ambitious women. So right now we focus on e-commerce and direct consumer. So women who are starting beauty brands, fashion brands, food and beverage brands, et cetera, they can go into our community. Right now the community is on Facebook. We're probably going to migrate it because I started this community a while ago when people actually went on Facebook. And it's a really robust, amazing community of women. And then had different workshops and courses because I became what I call an accidental TikTok creator several months ago. I've been just really focused on creating content. We haven't been creating a lot of workshops or courses, but we're going to pick that back up and we have some exciting things in store. So I've just always wanted to make it tactically easier for especially women, but anybody with a dream, especially mission driven that they want to create anybody to be able to do that in a way that is faster and easier. And I think a lot of the information out there is not tactical. It's inspiring, it's fun, it's engaging, but it's often not practical. And so that's the gap that I saw and I wanted to fill. Yeah. And who are the people that are a part of that community? Is it like other founders that are looking to learn or? Yeah, it's other founders, usually ones that have already kind of started the journey, not necessarily at the idea stage, but some of them are idea stage. And they're just kind of at different stages of the journey of starting, you know, a fashion brand or a beauty brand or what have you. So they all have physical product-based brands. Some of them sell only online, direct to consumer. Some of them are in Sephora or Target or wherever. And so it's just these amazing women creating meaningful brands. Awesome. And you said that you're an accidental TikTok creator. Yeah. How did that start? Like how... <laughs> When did you start posting your first video? When did you start seeing traction? Like, yeah. how was that an accident, I guess? Often when I tell people about my TikTok journey, I actually start before that when I decided to take on this 100-day challenge of posting at least one YouTube video a day for 100 days in a row. That's hard. It was really, really hard. I wasn't doing a whole lot of editing. It was just sort of meant to help me confront my fears around posting stuff online and putting myself out there, quite frankly, because I was very unlike you. I didn't necessarily feel super comfortable in front of the camera. I didn't always feel comfortable kind of putting my thoughts out there, which is so crazy because that's what I do now all day, every day. But I just wanted to get over that fear. So for me, it was almost a personal development sort of discipline than really designed to get people to watch my videos. So I did this thing on YouTube to the point where, Natalie, I got a random kidney infection. This might be TMI, but I got a kidney infection and I didn't know that's what it was. I just 
was getting really, really sick. I thought I had COVID and I refused to go to the emergency room. And then my then partner was like, babe, I think we need to take you to the hospital. So then it turns out I had a kidney infection that was turning into septic shock in my body. So I was stuck in the emergency room. They were trying to figure out sort of desperately what was wrong with me. It was not looking good. And I was unwilling to give up my streak with the YouTube videos. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post IGTV videos. So I just kept going. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I posted at least one video every single day for 100 days in a row. I mean, that's an insane story. And I'm probably a maniac for doing that. But it did help me get over this fear of putting myself out there online. And then it made it easier in September. So this was last September 2021. It made it easier to do the same thing on TikTok. So for fun, I thought, you know, I just want to learn TikTok. People are talking about it. It's relevant for the community of women founders that I run. I want to be able to tell them how to get started on it. So let me just try it out. So for three weeks, I was posting several videos a day, kind of following trends. And then by week three, I thought, no, I really want to talk about business. I really want to showcase the stories of female founders and female founded brands. And one of my roommates gave me a little nudge and it immediately went viral, probably because I was talking about the Kardashians (laughs) and their different brands over the years. But as soon as that really popped off, I just kept going. And now I'm an accidental creator. I think I did watch that video. You were talking okay. about all their different companies, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that might have been the first video I've seen Oh, so of you yours. were there since the early days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've been following you for a while. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, I was like, this is like exactly the type of content I like seeing. I just like hearing other people's stories. And I also enjoy like a deep dive, like yeah. a let's talk about like the deep dive of why this works and why this does it. Mm-hmm. And I think you give a really interesting take on just different consumer brands and the storytelling that goes behind them. Yeah. So once you started kind of going off on TikTok, is that when you were like, okay, this is something like I'm going to start posting a little bit more or and now are you still posting every day? Or like what's your schedule like? It's really hard to post every day, but I did keep it up for 100 days in a row. I did succeed in my challenge with TikTok as well. And that got me to a good amount of traction. And then I started getting inbound for brand deals. And I was like, this is not what I really intended to do at all. So I'm just going to say yes to this and see where it leads. So that's become kind of something I'm spending time on. And I also happen to get a lot of inbound for brand consulting or brand advising. A lot of startups and brands want to hire me as a consultant, for example. So I do those kind of on the side as well. So it's led to a lot of different opportunities. And I think the challenge right now is just focusing and maintaining my own content publishing. So I've been trying to post at least a couple times a day. I'm not a day, not I a was day, like, a week, whoa. a week. Oh my gosh, that's very, very aspirational. A couple times a week, every day if I can, but it's been really hard to juggle. But yeah, right now I'm just really kind of trying to take that as far as it can go because it's also a good top of funnel for Make Lane. It's a good top of funnel for my community, right? So it helps me with customer acquisition there and brand awareness there. I've gotten connected to the most incredible people. I mean, you and I are sitting here now because of my TikTok. I just was a speaker at a summit in Miami and I met incredible people I've been following for a while through that. So I just have been floored by how much of an accelerant TikTok can be if you use it strategically for your career. Totally. I mean, social media opens up so many doors. It does. I am so grateful my 15-year-old self decided to film a video and post it because I think back then, I mean, the social media landscape was so different, but I've had a very like slow and steady journey where I never had something that just blew up and like, oh my God, I have a million followers now. It's always been like slow and steady community that over the years has allowed me to make this my full-time job, but 
I am so grateful for the amount of doors and opportunities that it's opened. And you don't have to be huge for it to provide opportunities. Like you can have a smaller amount of followers or a smaller community and brands are wanting to work with you. Things are going to appear. You're going to be asked to speak to things. You'll be able to travel. Like it's just crazy. Or the amount of people that you'll meet or the people that will watch you that you're like, oh my God, I've been like a fan of yours for so long. I can't believe you know who I am. So I think social media is one of those things that if anything, it is something that just opens a lot of doors and provides a lot of opportunity. That's so cool. I am so impressed that you've been doing it for that long. Do you find it now hard to juggle all the things you're doing? I mean, you're a startup founder and you're also creating content. How do you make all of that work? How do you make time for content? Yeah, it's really hard. So I need to be on TikTok and I try, but like, I don't even remember the last time I posted, maybe like two weeks ago. And I know TikTok is like consistency based also. So I want to do one of those like 100 day challenges. It's so hard for me to come up with ideas. Uh-huh. And it's so hard for me to remember to pull out my camera and film because you would think I'm on YouTube, like YouTube, it's like 15 minute videos. Like it's a lot longer. There's a lot more editing that, that's involved. But it's so second nature to me that it's a lot easier. Uh-huh. Whereas TikTok, I like don't know what to post. I don't know what to film. I'm like, do I stick to one niche? Do I not? Like, what do I talk about on here? So like, yes, it's hard for me to balance. Like, I feel like on YouTube, I'm vlogging mainly. So I'm just like taking people throughout my life. It's not like I have to spend that much time doing it. But with TikTok, I am so lost on the content. So like, how do you come up with ideas? Because that's the hardest part for me. That's so funny that you say that because to me, YouTube is so intimidating. I'm like, I could never do all that editing. And that's such longer form content that seems insurmountable to me with the time constraints I have right now. But how do I come up with content is I just generally have a backlog of ideas that I want to focus on. And also I have a pretty tight niche, right? It's female founded brands. Generally, sometimes I branch out of that a little bit, but It's usually female-founded brands in the consumer world, typically beauty, sometimes fashion, sometimes wellness. And I'm talking sometimes about venture capital, providing little lessons and tips. So it's kind of a set number of categories. And within those, I always have things I want to make time for and I can't necessarily get to. So it's almost like I can't keep up with all my ideas. And also the other great thing about TikTok is that people are always commenting and asking me to speak about different brands that they like or they want to hear me talk about. So I get a lot of requests as well. So I feel like I have a never ending stream of ideas and topics that I can't even keep up with. So if I could clone myself, I would, but that's probably more specific probably to my niche. Do you have like a running list of ideas that you're doing or that you like pick from if you're ever in a rut? Yeah, totally. It's not a very organized system. I have a notion page for it and I have like sticky notes, but I have this list of ideas and requests and brands and founders I want to talk about. And usually I also try to be responsive to what's coming up. If there's something in the news, for example, Bite Beauty is closing down. That was announced a few days ago. So I wanted to kind of say something about that because I also think my followers appreciate when I have more timely takes on current events. Totally. And TikTok is easier. I mean, you're filming on your phone, Mm -hmm. you're editing on your phone. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it paralyzes me. That's so interesting. I do not know why, because you would think that like YouTube is so much harder. Yeah. I just don't know what to talk about on TikTok. I think I'm stuck in like, I have to find a niche and I'm so multifaceted that like, I want to talk about a lot of things. Like I want to talk about Rella and the behind the scenes of that. I also want to talk about like the creator economy and like the influencer industry. I have Rella's TikTok account as well. So like, balancing what do I post on Rella's TikTok versus my own personal one that's a little different and so I just I don't know what to post about that's so interesting let me ask you this is TikTok fun for you 
It is. Yeah. I love it as a consumer. I just, I get so stuck in like, what do I post that like, I don't even allow myself to enjoy being like someone that's posting on there. Yeah. But it is fun. When I post and I get comments and stuff, I'm like, ooh, yay. Like, even if I don't <laughs> have a lot of views, I feel like I have kind of high engagement. Like, one thing got a thousand views, which is like not a lot at all on TikTok. But I got like 20 comments. I yeah. was like, that's kind of a lot for this little of views so it makes me happy when I get people talking and get like the discussion going but yeah I don't know I it is fun but I think I just get stuck in the creation process yeah that's fair I think sometimes when we're good at being strategic it can work against us especially a new social media platform because then we overthink it yeah and then we get stuck on okay well what's the niche what's the angle what's the positioning here and I think what works especially well on tiktok is just kind of like playing around yeah i'm going to do a 100 day challenge i love it i'll credit you i'll be like (laughs) dolma told me to do this so i'm doing a 100 day challenge you're gonna pop off i mean you already are such a natural at content so it's gonna be amazing i know thank you and now i know we have like 10 minutes left but i would love to get your take on consumer brands beauty industry on the podcast so what are your favorite i mean it could be beauty but just consumer brands in general Who do you think is doing like a phenomenal job? Yeah, there are a few brands that come to mind. I've done videos on them. I really like MEJ. It's a hair clip brand or they create like cute accessories for your hair. Do you have any of their products? No, I don't. so cute. Okay. So it was also founded by a mother and daughter. It's AAPI owned. They're based in Los Angeles. And the best way I know to describe it is their content and brand geniuses. They create products that if another brand were to create them you'd think okay that's cute but the way they tell a story around it and craft this whole sort of visual universe around it just makes you feel like you're that girl when you're wearing their hair clips so I love MEJ and I met the founder because of TikTok and she's so sweet and then I really like topicals I like what they're doing I like the products they're creating I like the story I think they're incredible founders So I like topicals is also because they're creating something differentiated and they're really solving real problems. And then there's a brand called We're Not Really Strangers. You know that? Yes. The card. Yeah. Yes. I love everything they're about. In my mind, they're more of a media slash content company that happens to sell these cards as conversation starters, but they've chanced upon a genius idea. And I think they've also created this cult following in a way that is really special. So those are some of the brands that come to mind. I know you say you don't want to start a brand. If you were to start a brand, what would it be? Okay. So I have thought about this, which is funny because I say I don't want to start it. But if I were to have a co-founder and if I were to have more resources where I can still kind of focus on some other things, one thing I'd be really excited about is a sexual wellness brand where it's some sort of, this is going to sound out there, but some sort of like female libido product, almost like a female Viagra that's more botanical and adaptogen based. There are a few products. Well, actually, there's one product I know of out there that's like that on the market, but I think the form factor and the taste and kind of like the results are maybe not fully there. But I think that would be so fun because I want to create a community and a lot of content around female sexual wellness. And I think having a really high performing product as a vehicle for that could be really great. So that's an idea I've thought about a lot. Yeah. Do you think that now people are less like scared to talk about that type of stuff I guess in my mind I'm like will you have customers that are like raving about it because a lot of people are scared to like talk about that you know they're scared of being like oh my god I used this and it was amazing or like it got me out of this rut you know like I feel like it's still a little taboo but the people that do talk about it will be like 
absolute like cult fans like they'll talk about it forever and like scream it off the rooftop (laughs) if they love it that's exactly why i think it would be really strategic because it is polarizing it is taboo there is a stigma around it and i think people are waking up to the fact that it needs to be destigmatized because female sexual wellness is wellness and so because there's a critical mass of people who really believe in that i think they would be sort of like the brand ambassadors Mm -hmm. who would be yelling it from the rooftops and i think all you really need to get a brand off the ground and turn it into a cult brand is that small but diehard army of loyal followers that's what you need you don't need everybody to like you you need a few people to really really love you and i think this is a concept whose time has come where it could find potentially that audience of diehard followers Mm -hmm. yeah no i love it hopefully i see that that (laughs) product out there one day i know and then i don't want to say what brands do you think are not doing a good job but which brands would you love to consult for and and help out (laughs) Hmm, okay let's see here's how i'll answer that there are a lot of different celebrity brands out there where i think because of the clout and the resources and the name and the platform of that celebrity or influencer they could be creating something game-changing and industry transformative they could be really solving unmet needs for customers. They could be sparking important conversations around a certain kind of brand or movement, but they're not because they're doing a lot of things, because sometimes the incentives are not fully aligned. Sometimes it is a cash grab. And so for those people, for that kind of talent, I would say if you do go that extra mile to really identify the true gap in the market, figure out what you really want to do as a founder Instead of just slapping your name onto another beauty or fragrance or whatever brand because you think that's the easy way to making a lot of money, instead of doing that, why don't you create something really meaningful that deserves to exist because that's going to last more anyway and in the long term, it's going to be more successful. So if you do want to do that, then that's something I'd like to consult for because I feel like I'm good at helping people figure out what they really want to do instead of what they think they should do. And I like being that kind of like brand whisperer for people. And I would find that really fun with talent. Yeah, I love the brand whisper. That should be like your like name, like you should trademark that. Like I know. That. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that can be your brand, like your consulting firm. <laughs> yeah, and then what celebrity brands do you think are like killing it? I know you probably talk a lot about it on your page, but for the podcast listeners. Yeah, there are a few. I think the heavy hitters that people generally think about are Fenty and Skims and Rare Beauty. I've been really surprised by how much people love Rare Beauty. And then I use their product and I love it. And I think that is sort of the trifecta I always come back to as far as more established, high profile celebrity brands that are doing well and genuinely have a good business model and good products. And then there are a bunch that are emerging that I think are pretty good Summer Fridays is so good. I think there are a lot of YouTubers that create great products. And then let's see, Bays by Shay Mitchell. Oh my God. I love Bays. My favorite. I am, I'm one of those that's like her cult fan. Like, tell everyone about exactly. it case in point so what's crazy is sometimes when i mention certain brands people will be like i had no idea shay mitchell or mariana hewitt was involved with that that i think is a great sign because it means the brand completely stands on its own and that's what you want so i think there are a few brands like that i know i'm kind of having a brain fart but there are a few celebrity brands that really do stand out in that way but sadly not a lot yeah Baze is the one where I will buy anything <laughs> she makes. I like, love that. I think everything she has on that website is incredible and in the brand. And like my manager just had a baby. I bought her three things from Bayes as like a gift because I was like, I don't have a baby or I'm not planning on getting pregnant anytime soon. But 
I want to purchase this because I just love it so much. Like, who can I give this to? And so I gave it to her since she just had a kid. But I'm obsessed with everything she does. Kudos to her. See, like you saying all of that right now proves that she is a business genius. A lot of people are like Ryan Reynolds gin brand. He had his own marketing agency and used it to promote his gin brand, which I think sold for like a pretty decent sum. So that is another example. I talk a lot about beauty, but across different verticals, there are a lot of celebrities that people really, really love. So yeah, I'm surprised also though about rare beauty because I don't know. I love Selena Gomez, but to me, she's not the epitome of like makeup. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that it does so well, because I use rare beauty, I actually love it. Yeah. Like I know of it as Selena's brand, but I don't view her as like the makeup person. I Yeah, I agree with that. So here's what I've learned from just really analyzing a lot of these brands. I think sometimes increasingly people want to see authentic alignment between that celebrity and their brand and their interests and how we perceive that and the products, right? We want to feel like it's genuine instead of Scarlett Johansson launching skincare or also, I mean, I think some people like item beauty, but I do think what happened with Addison Rae's career is a lot of people were just approaching her with different ideas on how to monetize the platform she's built and she was just saying yes to all of it so i think there's a little element of that people don't love that at the same time if the products are really good there's a really strong brand story they have that whole mental health sort of angle and they're fun that they're generally making donations out of all of that really comes together so i think there isn't like a really super simple formula to a successful celebrity or influencer brand but i do think that even if you're weak in let's say perceived authenticity if you have kick-ass products people are gonna love it like you know Florence by Mills uh, Millie Bobby Brown had that thing where she did this demo of her face wash where she wasn't actually using it and she got caught and it was this like mini controversy because people are always looking for controversies but it turns out people really like the product especially younger demographics and so the brand based on what it sounds like is doing okay so I think it's a little nuanced but there are a few brands out there that are interesting yeah. Well, if you guys liked these like takes on <laughs> beauty industry consumer brands, then you have to follow Dilma I have a lot on TikTok. More where this came from, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So plug yourself. Where can they find you? Mm-hmm. Where can they like follow your stuff? Make lane, like everything. I am on TikTok. My handle is at I am Dilma. I'm on Instagram at I am Dilma, although Instagram is more where I document my journey as a creator. It's sort of like building myself in public as a creator. So I'm on TikTok mainly. And then if you are a female founder with an idea for a brand or some sort of consumer brand in the works, then go to makelane.com, M-A-C-E-L-A-N-E.com and join our community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I was so excited for this interview. So I'm glad we got (laughs) to meet up. I love it. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.